All right. Hard to cut that short. Ooh. Another one of my uh, new favorites during this uh, this time of pandemic. <laughs> Music. Ah, it's so important to me. Uh, this is Vladimir Martinov. Vladimir Martinov. Uh, his album called Silencio. Um, this is an incredible artist uh, who does some opera, who does some of this. Um, this is via violin um, concerto here. There's quite a, bit, quite a few other things. This is a little bit of his uh, song called Beatitudes. Check this out. Never been a big uh, opera guy, but man, I love I love this one. Uh, this one, this album again, it's the same guy, um, Martinov, but it's called the Sacred Spirit of Russia. Um, incredible, uh, moving um, song called the Beatitudes. I find this kind of stuff is very very helpful as I uh, meditate, as I just try to get silent and, and still with my thoughts. Usually, I I, I just kind of I. I start the day reading the scriptures. Um, I usually follow along with the, the lectionary. It kind of runs through the calendar year. So that it kind of gets you through the Bible in about two years. And um, then after that, I just sit still and I listen to something like that. And I kind of let my thoughts um, kind of refocus and let all the ideas I've been reading about and praying about kind of just settle. And uh, that's just been a very fruitful way of, of starting my day. I've been doing that for quite a while now. And um I, I strongly suggest it uh, if you don't already engage in some kind of a, um, a meditational practice like that. I find that um, letting my thoughts um, focus on, on scriptural truths, on, on promises that God makes to his, his children, the scriptures, and then just kind of sitting and meditating about those things, and praying, opening opening uh, the lines up, if you will, to to what God may, may speak. Um, all right, so we're finishing up here with Marcus, final chapter. Fantastic. Hopefully you've been enjoying this as I have to go through this book again. I just really, as I've said it before, I really respect um, this author. Wow, it's incredible talent. Uh, but let's look at the opening lines here. Marcus didn't care for water. Well, that's nice, right? Because the whole time, um, Essie's line, this is Marcus, is part of Essie's line. Essie's line has, has a fear of water. Um, Effia's line has a fear of fire, right? Um, Effia's line runs through the fire woman. And so fire has this kind of tormenting uh, power. Um, Essie, uh, her line was ravaged as they were stolen from um, Africa and taken across the seas, right? So, so water has this um, violent kind of separating feeling. I don't know if it was one of these earlier lectures in this class. I'm teaching another book right now that's really related um, in many ways. So I'm a little, I get confused sometimes as we're talking. I'm, I'm teaching a book uh, by a, a West Indian um, writer. So from the Caribbean, um, his name is Derek Walcott. And he writes one of my very favorite books ever called Omeros. Uh, it's this incredible epic poem. So not easy to read, but um, I think I've mentioned this to you before, but he talks also about the people of the West Indies who were stolen, right? As part of the slave trade. Um, and so some of his works, and, and you see it here in Gyasi too, describe this transportation from Africa to the new world 
as an inverted baptism, right? A, a movement from life into death, the death of, of freedom, the death of expression into a life of oppression, violence, and death. Uh, so a reverse baptism. And so thus, water is not a pleasant substance, right? Water symbolizes violence, oppression, removal from from connection and, 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 and disconnection, right? So Marcus didn't care much for water. He was in college the first time he saw the ocean up close. He was in college the first time he saw the ocean up close, sorry. And it had made his stomach turn, all that space, that endless blue reaching out farther than the eye could hold. It terrified him. He hadn't told his friends he didn't know how to swim. And his roommate, a redhead from Maine, was already seven feet under the surface of the Atlantic before Marcus even stepped his toes in. There was something about the smell of the ocean that nauseated him. That wet, salt stink clung to his nose and made him feel as though he were already drowning. He could feel it thick in his throat, like brine. Brine is thick, salty water. Clinging to that place where his uvula hung so that he couldn't breathe right. When he was young, his father told him that black people didn't like water because they were brought over on slave ships. What did a black man want to swim for? The ocean floor was already littered with black men. Wow, that's brutal. Marcus always nodded patiently when his father said things like this. Sonny was forever talking about slavery, the prison lab labor complex, the system, segregation, the man. His father had a deep-seated hatred of white people. A hatred like a bag filled with stones. One stone for every year racial injustice continued to be the norm in America. He still carried the bag. That's, that's an incredible way to describe some of the complexities here at work, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. So obviously Marcus is a son of one of the sons of Sonny. And remember, Sonny had several sons with several different women. Um, sadly, as he kind of ravaged others in his desire to fill the emptiness inside of himself. He also used drugs and alcohol to fill that space too. And he's, he's, we see him as a character who's deeply flawed and, and very desperate. Um, I do love, as I mentioned before to some of you um, earlier today in our conference, that final line in his chapter on 263, where it says he wanted to leave. But he didn't do that. Instead, he stayed. There's a lot of hope in that line, right? He stayed to do what? To listen to his mother, to listen to wisdom, and to be transformed by it. Oh, that I will have more and more patience as I grow older. Um, patience to sit with those who are wise. Patience to take and accept advice from people that I don't necessarily like but who have wisdom. Um, that's, and that's important. So this guy, Marcus, a fascinating character right out the gates. Um, it's clear that Marcus in some ways doesn't necessarily follow his father in his father's hatred of white people. Um, this idea that his hatred was like a bag of rocks. Um, that's not, a, that's not a great image, right? It's not a positive thing. This bag of rocks that is holding him down, that he's holding on to, right? He's choosing to hold on to this bag of rocks and it's bearing, weighing him down. Uh, that's, that's a sad image. Um, it would be, it seems better not to be weighed down by this, but instead to fly free. Um, 
The image of flight is an important one in a lot of slave songs um, and slave literature that dates back uh, to the mid-1800s. This idea of flight, flight from slavery into freedom, right? So flying images versus bag of rocks images versus weight images, um, flight versus being landlocked. What's the, what's the opposite of flight? Flightlessness. Um, that's a good tension to think about. So which characters in this text are flying? Which are being weighed down? And why? Why are they being weighed down? What's keeping them down? What's keeping them from flying? A lot of times it's abuse, right? Terrible, terrible things that are done uh, by racists and terrible people that should be imprisoned, right? They probably, they probably should be beaten too, but we won't include that in it. They should just be imprisoned for sure, right? But uh, they're, they're terrible people, these racists, and they've done terrible things to people. But the question the text seems to ask is, do you allow that racist person, do you allow that person who simplifies you to have any control over you at all? Or do you leave them behind and continue to reach for the stars, right? So many of these characters continue to reach for the stars. They continue to seek ways to fly and ways to leave behind the simple-minded racists who seek to tie them down or tie anchors to their souls. Um, some of the strongest characters in this text like seem to achieve flight. I love, uh, I think I've gone back to this a couple times, I think, with you guys, but I love the way... The, the Willie chapter ends, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. She stepped forward, trembling still, and she sang. That's a type of flight. At the end of Yaw, there's also a type of flight. Soon, Esther and Kukua came in carrying pot after pot of food. They served Yaw and his mother well into the night. They ate until the sun came up. Um <laughs> That's a bit of a stretch to call that flight, but there is celebration there. There's breaking of bread. There is a communion of sorts. You know, and to be honest with you, even this character, Sonny, who's a bit of a knucklehead, uh, the fact that he stays with his mother uh, means there's a chance of his having some flight. Um, And then what about Marjorie? I don't think I remember looking at Marjorie. Marjorie ends with Esther told her that it looked like she was going to... Oh, hello, look at this. At the end of Marjorie, final paragraph, page 283, her mother came to lift her up off the ground. Come on. Later, Esther told her that it looked like she was going to fly off the cliff, down the mountain, and into the sea. Wow. There you go. That's one one of the chapters that I hadn't looked at very closely with this flight imagery, and that's by the best of all. Awesome. So some characters fly, right? They achieve this flight. Here at the beginning of Marcus, his dad, Sonny, is clearly not flying. His dad is weighed down by stones, uh, by rocks that are, that, are, that are basically symbolic of his hatred, right? So what is Marcus doing? Marcus is pursuing a PhD at Stanford. Smart guy. 286. Marcus was getting his PhD in sociology at Stanford. It was something he would never have been able to imagine doing back when he was splitting a mattress with his father. And yet there he was. Sonny had been so proud when he told him he'd been accepted to Stanford that he cried. It was the only time Marcus had ever seen him do it. I love that. Um, so this PhD at Stanford is, is a type of flight, right? Is, is, a, is a movement towards something that is elevated and something that is powerful. Um, 
why does Sonny cry at the news of acceptance to Stanford? Uh, you know, perhaps in spite of himself, uh, perhaps uh, for a moment looking not at the bag of rocks, but seeing his son standing on his shoulders, flying, reaching this this great height, is moving and it is wonderful and must be celebrated, right? So, um, Essie and Effia, uh, the lines meet at last in this book for the first time. Uh, on 292, actually, if you want to be very kind of specific, you might say that the lines meet um, back in Ephia's chapter when Ephia puts her ear, she puts her ear against the floor, right? Um, let's see here. I'm trying to find this real quick here. This is on page... It's, it's when um, James says, you want to go home? It's no better at your home. Um, let's see here. Oh, here we go. Uh, page 17, right? So the last time that Ephia and Essie were close proximity, close in proximity was right here um, in that, that page on 17 where she says, James, there are there, are there people down there? Um, how can you, but how can you keep them down there crying? Hey, eh? you white people. My father warned me about your ways. Take me home. Take me home right now. So Effia and Essie, so Essie is down in there. Effia doesn't know her, uh, but she's down in there as we learn in the next chapter. And so here now on 292, 292, um, I'm key, the dreadlocked woman said, and this is my friend Marjorie. At the mention of her name, Marjorie lifted her head. The curtain of wild hair parting to reveal a lovely face and a beautiful necklace. Nice to meet you, Marjorie, Marcus said, extending his hand. So this is a cool moment, right? When Marcus meets Marjorie and the Effia and Essie lines meet for the first time, or I should say the second time. The first time this closely, though, we can definitely say. Um, on 294, the, uh, the two are talking. Um, let's see here. Yeah, I'll see. You're 